1: Listening to Wine and Crime, the podcast where three friends chug wine, chat true crime, and unleash their worst flu voices.
0: Yeah, Kenyon, <laughs> you sound hot.
2: Yeah, you sound like a phone sex apparator. We're crushing it right now. We're
1: this episode airs on July fourth, America's birthday, but mm-hmm. we are
0: recording it in May, mm-hmm. and. Someone. And one or all of us has diarrhea or <laughs> vomiting or both. <laughs> yeah. And for once, it's not me. I'm like the <laughs> pestery, like chipper f- morning person friend right now. And these two are fucking dying. This is going to be really fun. We are I'm dying. We're it's not great. <laughs> we're set to leave for our tour in three days. You're leaving in three, three days. days. <laughs> Yeah. Um you might want to wear a diaper on that flight. That's a long one. Oh
1: God. All right. She so, long.
0: This Who is... are we? Oh, I'm Kenyan. <laughs> <laughs> And
2: you're super pleased about
0: it. I am living for Sick Kenyon right now. It's amazing. Uh, I'm Lucy. And I'm Amanda. Shut up. (sighs) Glow up. Glow up. Um, And I'm actually... And we're the three best friends that anyone could have. Okay. Um...
1: Okay, Uh, I'm actually (laughs) very excited for this week's very special fan pick. Um, We can tell. uh, No, I really am.
0: (laughs) I'm very excited for this very special fan pick. I'm super thrilled.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I actually love this topic. Uh, The topic is... No Man's Land slash National Parks Murders. Yeah. Ooh. There was a lot, you guys. There was
0: too much. And my bucket list, like my main bucket list item is to visit every national park in the what? U.S. What? And I've checked off a handful of them, actually. But then doing this episode, I was like, do I want to go no. anywhere? You're insane. Who are you? It's like, I I'm don't even really know you. a really
2: bucket list. And it's no, also like it. way
0: too wholesome for you. I know. But I mean, when I went to the Grand Canyon, I definitely drove while drinking a giant white claw in my rental car and then took my white claw to the Grand Canyon and then sat on the edge of the Grand Canyon with my white claw. And so then like, chucked your empty can over no, the rim. No, 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 <laughs> Always take out more garbage than you bring in. That's how you fucking do it at a national park.
1: Okay, well, the folks that we're about to talk about did not follow that golden rule. Sure
0: didn't. They left some
1: rubbish
2: in the parks.
1: And also, this fan pick is brought to you by Sarah Havel. Havel. Ugh. Havel. Havel. And hello, Sarah hobble. And Sarah <laughs> writes, quote, I live in a dome and have triplet goats. Stalk me. I'm cool okay. AF. Is a dome like a yurt? Yeah.
0: I have I, questions. I think so. It might I'm, be one of those geodesic. Is that how you say it? Geodomes. Oh. You know. Didn't uh, one of our friends in high school have kind of like a cool geodome house? Whitney lived in a round house. Yeah. Roundhouse. Hi, Whitney. Yeah. That house is was so It wasn't round cool. like that,
2: though. It was just like an o- it was octagonal. It was cool. Hey, Whitney. It was a thing. Either way,
0: very cool. She's a fucking
2: Mai Tai professional Mai living tai. in New Zealand now. That's a cocktail. I Isn't tai. it like
0: Muay Thai? That's tai. Mai tai. I'm no, I'm a Mai Tai No, Mai Tai is expert. a cocktail, honey. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Who's it? Muay Thai. Yeah. <laughs> I've been reading it as Mai Tai every time she posts. So, <laughs> well, you're okay. Welcome.
1: Let's get through this I'm not drinking wine I'm drinking orange juice But Amanda I'm drinking wine What is our wine crime pairing For no man's
0: land Slash national parks murders Sarah also brought uh, The wine to this episode And I'm glad that they brought this wine To my attention Because it's really kind of cool This is the National Parks Foundation Yosemite Red Blend. Mm. And it's a California red wine that's primarily a Cab Sauve Merlot blend, so it's lush and full-bodied with ripe berry and plum aromas balanced by a whisper of oak. Mm. You'll get that dark fruit on the palate that finishes full and fruity but not sweet, which I love... Uh, this wine collection was released by Alderfell's Winery, which is located about fifteen hundred feet up on the slopes of the Mayacamas Mountains, overlooking the Sonoma Valley in wow. California. Oh wow! I bet it's I bet it's gorge. I get um, it? <laughs> <laughs> gorgeous. Ithaca is gorgeous. <laughs> um, <laughs> This line of wines was launched as a partnership with the National Parks Foundation, which is the official charity of the U.S. National Parks, and uh, this wine actually helps financially support the parks. $2 from every bottle goes directly to the National Parks Foundation. They have a Yosemite red blend, which we are drinking, and a Yosemite White blend as well. And they are priced at about 16 bucks a bottle, but I was able to locate this at Total Wine for around $10. I think it might have been on sale. It might not always be that price point, but it's just nice to know that it's out there. Yeah. At, you know, at a really nice, normal price. Love it. If it's on um, sale,
2: do they still donate
0: $2 yes, a bottle? Yeah. Correct. Correct. I think typically sale prices are set more by the retailer if they have um, like an excess of that product. For Um, sure. Because it's not like the wholesale prices go on sale. Correct. They have to, they have to distribute it, purchase it to distribute at whatever price is set by the distributor. Mm -hmm, So mm -hmm. whatever that price is, I'm assuming factors in that $2 per bottle to the national parks. But I think that that's so cool. And now we've done like a couple of different bottles that support some sort of, you know, worthy cause, which I think is fun. I'd like to do more of that. So nice work, Sarah. Thank you for, for recommending that. Um, it is a popper, so if you are in need of a tool to get your wine open or your beer bottle or just to have around because it looks cute, head over to our store, wineandcrimepodcast.bigcartel.com to get you a nice pop wine key. Or a bunch of merch that says fuck on it. Oh, so much fuck merch. i yeah. here for it. Yeah. Or a beach towel so you can sit on my face.
2: But technically, <laughs> it doesn't say fuck. It says F wine glass, C-K-I-N-G. You're Great.
0: right. You're right. All right, Right. should we get this party started? This party for one, party for one, party for one, (laughs) party for one. one. God, you
2: are way too cheerful.
0: I (laughs) slept really well, and your sadness is, like, fueling me today. Amanda almost got laid last night, can you tell? Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to talk about it. That's inappropriate. Also, happy birthday to a certain friend who's definitely listening right now. Okay, (laughs) shall we pop? (laughs) I hate you both so much. (laughs) Ready. Ooh. Ooh. I'm so red right now. He's gonna kill me. Cheers. Please don't kill god. me. Cheers. I'm sweating. Somebody else talk now. I'm literally sweating. Oh my
1: god. <laughs> Jeez. All right, Lucy. What is our background and psych for what? uh National Parks murders?
2: For whatever the fuck we're talking about. For catch uh, <laughs>
1: my total mind
2: fart for uh What episode is this? uh, (laughs) All right. Well, I had the privilege this week of interviewing a very special man. So let me open by introducing Jeff Reinick, a retired FBI agent who is internationally renowned for Mm. cracking some really complex criminal cases, uh, many of which centered around victims who are children um, so he he had a really a really difficult job. I mean, he chose to to do those kinds of of cases, and he was very very good at it. But um, you know, God, I can't even.
3: <laughs> he's can't seen even some. He's them. seen
2: some shit. Um, so he currently runs his own private investigative and consulting business called Reinick and Associates, and he recently published a book called In the Name of the Children. An FBI Agent's Relentless Pursuit of the Nation's Worst Predators. I have the book right in front of me. It's fucking wonderful. Mm. I, like, really, really enjoyed it. Um, One of the chapters in this book talks about his experience with the Yosemite murders, if you've heard of it. Amanda, I know you've heard 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 of it. (laughs) Ever heard of it? Um, So the Yosemite murders were committed by a man named Carrie Stainer, Mm -hmm. and Jeff was the agent who got Carrie's confession. Um, So like I said, he allowed me to interview him, and he is the nicest person I have ever spoken to. So Mm -hmm. um, with that, let's listen to an excerpt from the interview with Jeff Reinick. Thanks to everyone for tuning in. I have a very special interviewee today. I'm talking to Jeffrey Reinick who is a former investigator and also the author of the book In the Name of the Children, which is, um, well, Jeffrey, why don't you tell us what your book is about?
3: Well, it's uh, I'm a retired FBI agent. I served 30 years in the FBI. I served in the Chicago, New York, and Sacramento offices. When I was in the Sacramento office, I worked exclusively violent crime against children. And not only did the uh, the exposure to such crimes affect me, but also indirectly affected my family. So uh, my book is about my beginnings. I wasn't sure how people would react to me, but I was born with birth defects and cerebral palsy. So I revealed that and, uh, and then I, I mentioned some what I consider to be transitional cases. I gave descriptions of them. And then uh, most notably, I'm credited with getting the confession from serial killer Carrie Stainer in the Yosemite murders case. And I go into that in detail because at the time I got the confession, the manager or my boss told me that Carrie Stainer was a witness, so sent me in to interview a killer Uh, and didn't tell me, but luckily after a six hour interview, we came out having solved all four homicides and also, uh, preventing a few more. So what happened was in, uh, February of 1999, Carol Sund, uh, Julie Sund and their friend, um, Raquel Peloso or not Raquel, um, Silvina Silvina Peloso, (laughs) Raquel's her mom. Um, Sylvina Peloso, who were coming from Humboldt County, Eureka, they flew into San Francisco Airport and uh, their first stop was to come to the University of Pacific in Stockton, California and look over the school and the cheerleading program. And from there they went down to the Yosemite National Park to um, explore. You know, it's beautiful down there and that's what everybody wants to do. So uh, they got down there on the four, 15th, I think, uh, and it, this is the day after Valentine's Day. And then uh, they did the exploring, and then when it, the rest of their plan was for Carol's son's husband, Jens' son, to meet them at San Francisco Airport on February 16th and for the four of them to fly out to Jens' sister in Arizona. Jens got into the airport, and there was no Carol, Julie, or Sylvina. so he did what all good husbands think. He thought he messed up, and he he (laughs) continued on to Arizona. And after he was unable to reach them or hear from them in Arizona, that's when he called back to Mariposa County, where they were staying, and filed a missing persons report. And that's what started off the case. This is uh, this would have been missing persons from uh, the National Park, or in this case, El Portal, which is seven miles outside the gate. And uh, it was being addressed by the Mariposa Sheriff's Department. And then uh, on the 19th, three days after they were not seen, Carol's wallet insert with personal information was discovered at a busy intersection in Modesto, California, about 60 miles away. And that's what got everybody fired up.
2: Yeah, that wallet part was spooky. Um, I wanna read an excerpt um, from your book that illustrates uh, the kind of terrain and its various challenges. Okay. The quality and scope of the search for the three missing tourists, directed by the Mariposa County Sheriff's Department was second to none. The park is so large, spanning over 1,100 square miles and three different counties, that personnel from multiple agencies came out to assist. Hundreds of officers and agents participated in the search by air in helicopters and reconnaissance planes, on the ground by foot and snowshoe, and on water in the many lakes and rivers surrounding Yosemite. Search dogs were employed, along with radar and sonar equipment. Because that area was home to the once-thriving gold rush, there were countless abandoned mining caves and tunnels that would make a great place to hide a car or a body, and we had to check all of them. A particularly eerie task. Can you uh, tell us a little bit, um, give us a little more insight on the challenges that this case, which as of yet is a missing persons case, uh, presented?
3: Yes. I, I, what I do in these cases is I partner up with the local agency. And in this case, Mariposa County Sheriff. And I got to tell you, I can't say enough good stuff about them. Their current sheriff is one of the guys I partnered up with. His name is Doug Benowitz and we're friends. And, uh, I, you know, I just, I just can't say it. And I also want to say that Mariposa County is beautiful, and the people there are wonderful people, but I also need to say that because of its ruralness and distance from society, it also um, calls to people that want to be alone and want to be away from everything. But I worked with the Mariposa County County Sheriff's Department, and I went with them on some of these searches, and I actually went into some of these caves. And Lucy, I, it was frightening. I, I, I actually was in a cave. I didn't think I was going to be able to get it out of. Ooh. And to think that these people were doing it for at their own expense, at their own time, it's just it's just it ma- it made me feel so unbelievable in debt to them and in wonder of them. And there, it's unbelievable.
2: Yeah, the cave part really <laughs> creeped me out the most about that. Um, on a similar note, it seemed like the time of year, which again was February, affected the circumstances under which these three people disappeared. Uh, so for one, they were the only guests at the entire hotel that they were staying at, and they were put oddly far away from reception. And the reason, the reasoning was it was sort of an off-season, and all of the rooms closer to reception were dirty, and they didn't want to have their cleaning yeah. people come.
3: Uh, if, if I could correct you, uh, they were not the only guests. What oh. happened was they, they were the only guests staying in the 500 building, which was a building that was very distant from where the office and administration areas were. And so when they were out in their building, they were 100 percent secluded. And when you consider the limited visibility from the weather, they were really in a solitary environment.
2: Okay. That makes a little more sense. Um, it was also initially believed that their rental car had slid off of an icy road. So also due to mm, the weather, the climate. Um, can you tell us about how your some of your earlier theories were developed and then disproven with regard to the environment that they were in?
3: Yes. I was... Assigned as the case agent for this on February 22nd, the Monday after the wallet was found. And so I proceeded down to Modesto. uh, And the first thing we do is start interviewing family. But there was a total lack of information. And I was not willing to say it was a crime in my mind. And and for me, there were were, uh, two major avenues of approach. Number one was the search and rescue and searching for them and their car. And number two was conducting interviews of the last people that had seen them and trying to determine if anything untoward had happened at the Cedar Lodge where they were staying. The, but in my mind, it was very uh, likely that they were in an accident or had slid off the road. It was my personal experience driving down there in that weather that it was uh, it was unbelievable. I have a heavy foot, I drive fast, and I was scared to death driving in those conditions. I actually drove the right speed, even slower. There were slippery roads, limited visibility, very cold, misty. Uh, it was everything you can imagine which would make a drive in a rural area, a frightening drive. And I believed in my heart and mind after what I had experienced that they had uh, gone off a cliff or had had a terrible accident somewhere and were stranded. And I believe that Carol's wallet ended up in Modesto because someone had found it and turned it in or whatever. It it was just so much we did not know. And at the same time, there was the most expansive search and rescue of the park that had hurt They even brought in a Navy P3 plane to look for them. And it was it was my belief that without any evidence to prove anything, that it was most likely that they had met their fate through an accident or maybe they had deliberately, you know, gone somewhere under their own steam because there might have been a bad relationship in the family.
2: Mm hmm. Okay. well. Also, speaking of um, you know, national parks and the, the nature of them, people are on vacation, you actually caught a pretty big break when the investigators found the camera um, and they were able to develop the film to sort of create a timeline of exactly what happened to them. And then even the veggie burrito that Carol had eaten at the restaurant ended up being relevant when, when they found her body in the, in the trunk of the car. Um, the fact that these victims were on vacation actually had an impact on how you were able to investigate the case. Is, can you tell us a little bit more about that?
3: Well, they were, they were on vacation in Yosemite. On March 19th, uh, after a call was made through the media to, for the uh, rental car, someone had called in uh, through CHP, uh, California Highway Patrol, and reported the car had been located quite a distance away from where they were last known to be in a small uh, called Tuolumne County and it was um, off of Route 108. It was it was an, it, by a small town named Long Barn and Miwok Village. I had never heard of these towns before. The car, when it was encountered, had been severely burned, consumed in a fire. And our evidence response team subsequently were able to locate the remains of two victims in the trunk. And when at that point, you know, our hearts, at least for me, my heart was in my stomach realizing this was a deliberate act. It was a crime. It was it was a murder. And so, again, we're in the area that's not in the park, but is very similar to the park. So here we are working in this um, Yosemite Park environment, which, you know, it's just uh, your normal reaction to hearing the word Yosemite is beauty and natural beauty. And now here we are dealing with these terrible things that have happened to these people.
2: Yeah, it's really tragic. I mean, there are photos in your book, too. You can get a sense for the environment that you're in and how breathtaking and sweeping these views are, but also thinking about trying to find a missing person has got to be very daunting.
3: Yes. And and Lucy, I I, uh, neglected to answer part of your question in that when the car was found and they did a grid search around the car, they found the belongings of Carol and the girls. And inside one of the a pocketbook that we think was Carol's was a camera. And we took that camera and at that time, you know, it was film. And when we got the pictures back, they were all the pictures they had taken of themselves touring Yosemite. And subsequently there were pictures of them having what would turn out to be their last meal at the Cedar Lodge. And there was a picture of them uh, in the room. And when we look at the date stamp of the picture, And after Carrie confessed, that picture of them sitting in the room was about 20 minutes before he knocked on their door.
2: Yeah, that is so eerie. Those photos are in your book as well. It's just—and they're just having such a good time. It looks like old photos of me and my friends.
3: Yes. And, and you know, Lucy, when we look at that photo of them sitting in the room— um, you know, what, what strikes me, I mean, in the way I think about these things is that's what Carrie Steiner saw. That's what he decided he was going to act upon.
2: Yeah, they're just being kids. They're doing backflips. Yes. It's very disturbing. Yes, it is. Um, so I should note for our listeners that Joey Armstrong was 26 years old and she lived and worked in the park as a naturalist. So she gave tours and talks to specifically kids interested in conservation um, she rented a house in the park with two other roommates who happened happened to be gone the night of her disappearance and this part really made me sad. Um, she had recently written in her diary about the dissipation of her fears of being left alone in the house because of those recent murders that I believe were just a few days prior and the yes. and the police made a comment publicly um, that they had arrested somebody and she wrote in her, diary, quote, the monsters are gone. And that one night that she was left alone, she was abducted and and murdered.
3: Yes, uh, Lucy, if I could correct you, the uh, original murders of Carol, Sylvina and Julie occurred, as you know, in February, uh, middle of February.
2: Oh, that's right. This is months later.
3: Right. And months later, the head of the FBI in Sacramento, uh, James Maddock, was making uh, media statements that the responsible parties were in custody for other reasons and that's when Joey wrote in her journal that she felt safe because the FBI said the people um, were were you know locked up and uh, she also had a call the night before with her father and he was telling her to be careful and and uh, she said oh well the FBI said you know they've got them and then she turned out to be the next victim.
2: Yeah, and she she suffered a horrific fate, but also um, she was extremely brave and fought him with everything that she had. So she, you are absolutely right in saying that she is definitely a hero of this case. Yeah.
3: that's That's what your listeners should take away from this, is that not only is Joey Armstrong a hero, but also Carol, Sylvina, and Julie, when Julie was alone with Stainer, everything he asked her, she lied to him about. So in this case, the victims did everything they could, did everything they should should have done, and, and were, were truly remarkable. I know that um, some people have a problem with the fact that Carol Sund opened the door that allowed Carrie Stainer to enter their room. But in reality, she had denied him access for at least two times. And when he acted as associated with the motel and told them they would have to move their room at 1130 at night, at that point, they decided they would let him in to do the hotel business he said he had to do. And that's why he was able to to get them.
2: And he did work at the hotel. He did. Okay.
3: And he lived at the hotel as well.
2: So uh, that's actually a good segue to my next question. I want to read one more uh, quote from your book. It says Yosemite may be a special, sacred place for the visitors who gape in wonder at its splendors, but many of the residents and workers in and around its fringes are a hard scrabble bunch who struggle to make ends meet with low paying and seasonal jobs catering to tourists. While most are hardworking and law abiding, some people with less savory backgrounds are attracted to the area as a place they can live somewhat off the grid and where law enforcement is sparse. So what did you learn about Carrie Stainer in relation to his employment within the park? And then how did that fit with the profile of the killer that you sort of had created before he was caught?
3: Well, Kerry did not live in the park. He lived uh, at the Cedar Lodge, which is seven miles from the park. And what we learned about Kerry, and and Lucy, I, I have to confess that what I learned about Kerry personally, I learned from him himself after we were together on the 24th of July of 1999. But what I did learn from him when we were together is that he lived there in, in El Portal because he wanted to be left alone. He didn't want to be around other people. He liked doing his own thing. He loved nature. He appreciated nature. He believed that he had seen Bigfoot in the area, which that's hard for me to believe because I don't believe in Bigfoot. And <laughs> he uh, also enjoyed uh, smoking marijuana and of course you know that's not something you can do around people so the solitude there gave him the opportunity to to do the things he wanted to do another thing he enjoyed doing was bathing nude so there was actually a beach nearby the cedar lodge that was uh, marked it was on a curve and it was uh, there was a sign there that said 25-mile-per-hour for the curve. So they called the beach the 25-mile-per-hour beach. And people used that beach for nude bathing. And in fact, when they first encountered Carrie Steiner, that's where he was.
2: Yeah, that must have been doubly alarming for the cops to show up, especially with a joint in your hand and no clothes on.
3: Yes, and, and <laughs> that is... That was uh, a Thursday that they encountered him at the 25-mile-per-hour beach. And because of the marijuana that he had, that's why they were able to take him into custody. But during the night, by accident, he was released from custody. And the next day on Friday is when he fled from the Cedar Lodge. And eventually we found him in the Sacramento area on Saturday morning.
2: So he was definitely running away from you.
3: Yes, he had sold uh, much of his personal belongings, taken what he wanted to keep with him. And yes, he was he was in flight. In fact, we learned that he was actually uh, not only in flight, but he was on a course to try and commit other murders.
2: Ooh, that's really creepy. Yes. Well, uh, I want to thank you very much, Jeff Reineck, for sharing all of this information and insight with us. Um, Again, your book is called In the Name of the Children. It is fantastic. I highly recommend it to anybody interested in criminal psychology in particular. It's fascinating. So Jeff, can you tell us where, where we can find your book if you're doing any sort of engagements or anything coming up?
3: Yes. The book is sold on Amazon. It's doing really well on Amazon. I would encourage your readers to write a review if they do buy or your listeners to write a review because it helps the book. Uh, it's also sold at the Ben Bella Publishing. They're the publisher for the book and they have a site where they sell the book. I also know the book is sold at Goodreads, Barnes and Noble. It's, it's gotten pretty, you know, it's, it's around. It's pretty easy to find. And it's doing better. They've already done a second printing of it.
2: That's awesome. Well, again, thank you for joining us today. And thank you. Thank you for your insight.
3: Lucy, it's been an honor. I really enjoyed talking with you.
2: All right. So once again, the name of Jeff's book is In the Name of the Children. You can get it on Amazon. Like I said, it's a really, really good. And we will be posting the full interview on Patreon where uh, Jeff and I talked about some other cases that he's worked on, and he also shares some really interesting stories. It's a it's a really good interview. Um, so if you are not already a Patreon supporter, you can yeah. go to WineAndCrimePodcast.com and click on our support page to find out more information, any amount of... Um, of gets you all donations content. gets you all the extra content we do. Drunk there's a dives. Lot.
3: <laughs> there's a lot of
2: content. So uh, consider Arguably supporting. Too much. <laughs> consider supporting the show in that way and uh, get yourself some bonus content. Get it. Um, so also thanks again to Jeff. Uh, I really enjoyed our
0: conversation. So cool.
2: Um, Okay, so that is the story of one infamous National Parks murder spree, but I also wanted to talk to you about one more thing as well. Which I know exactly what this is, and I know you have been
0: chomping at the bit to talk about it, and it's come up in other episodes.
2: (laughs) Okay, so you know I like to instruct you how to get away with murder. (laughs)
0: Yep, we do know this. Here we go. That's why we're all on a list.
2: (laughs) If you want to kill someone and get away with it, You should do it in the 50 square mile zone of Yellowstone National Park that is located in the state of Idaho. I have a a picture because I know that all three of us are kind of geographically challenged. So go to the drive. Uh Um, This will be on the blog. Uh, There's a map showing Yellowstone National Park. And then there's like a strip along the northern and western edge that Falls into Montana, yep. and then there's also a strip on the west, the bottom western edge that falls in Idaho. Yep, so keep that in mind. Okay, uh, this zone that specifically the zone in Idaho is called the zone of death. Oh, and yep. it's a lovely violet
1: color. Pale violet. Mm-hmm. A
0: violent violet. <laughs> A dusty violet. Mm, so dusty. So
2: in the zone of death, there are no roads. And most importantly, there are no permanent human inhabitants.
0: Hello. Mm-hmm.
2: The Sixth Sounds Amendment. Sounds like my dream of- neighborhood. <laughs> <laughs> well, don't fucking go here.
0: <laughs> that shadowy place.
2: The Sixth Amendment of the United States Constitution dictates that a jury must be comprised of people who live in both the state and the federal district where the crime was committed. Mm. The park is within the jurisdiction of Wyoming, um, because I guess they couldn't really split it up the way that the law is now. Okay. Um, But this area is in the state of Idaho And no one lives in this overlapping area, so no jury could be formed. So this case, if there was this hypothetical murder case, could never go to trial. Uh The park itself is federal land, so the case could not simply be Idaho's problem for, like, a variety of reasons. So this is all theoretical. No
1: one's tested this yet.
2: Or am I wrong? There was a case— um, it wasn't a murder case, but it was a guy who illegally shot an elk, so he he was arrested for it, and he went to trial, but, like, the state really—they really could have played their cards to get this loophole fixed at that time and set a responsible precedence for this mm-hmm. whole situation, but they completely dropped the ball. Uh, the guy ended up taking a plea deal— Something I don't really remember. So there hmm. is a precedent for it, but not when it comes to homicide. Okay. Yet. Okay. In 2005, Michigan State University law professor Brian Cult wrote a paper titled The Perfect Crime, which outlines this entire anomaly uh, in the context of a homicide. Sounds
1: like Brian it Cult was- is your
2: soulmate. Sorry, Corey. you yeah. I actually fell in love with him a little bit while reading this while <laughs> researching oh, okay. this. <laughs> Uh, It was published in the Georgetown Law Journal, and he also sent it to multiple government authorities to alert them of this potentially very hazardous loophole. And as far as I can tell to this day, nothing has been done to fix it. Okay. Hmm. So here's an excerpt from a 2016 Vox article by Dylan Matthews. Quote, the article's release and subsequent press blitz didn't accomplish anything. Then Senator Larry Craig, who's a Republican uh, in Idaho... Promised to look into the issue, but did not do anything beyond that. Representative Mike Simpson, also a Republican in Idaho, who is still in office, um, actually was in office as of 2016. I didn't bother to check to see if that was still Correct. Stated <laughs> through a spokesperson that he didn't think the zone of death was a problem and argued that we could, quote, count on checks and balances to remedy the issue. Should a murder be committed? A response which betrays the a marked lack of understanding of what the term checks and balances actually.
0: Mm. Yeah, to. For mm. sure.
2: yeah, I feel like
0: a lot of government officials forget what that actually means
2: <laughs> or that it theoretically exists.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. yeah, true on both counts.
0: Mm-hmm. Theoretically.
2: So, not only did my future husband, Brian Cult, send his paper <laughs> to the people who could actually fucking fix it before his paper was published, he also literally wrote draft legislative language that would close this loophole, but the government agencies in both Idaho and Wyoming and, uh, and also federal what? agencies nah. are unwilling to take action. He Why? wrote it out. Yeah. They had to copy and paste it into, like, the law. That's literally all
0: they had to do. Copy, paste, vote. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Okay. So why might they be unwilling to take action, you may ask? Here is another excerpt from that Vox article. But another point the Department of Justice made was more consequential. Quote, splitting Yellowstone into the district courts for Wyoming, Idaho, and Montana would also split it between the Ninth and Tenth Circuits. Ugh. My boyfriend, Brian, called rights. Oh, mm. Brian, senator of everything. mm yeah, Senator Mike Enzi, a Republican from Wyoming, and Ooh. others were wary of this because it would create a new and unwelcome burden if environmentalists could use this foothold to challenge the Park Service's management decisions in the liberal and quirky Ninth Circuit. <laughs> so Lord. they want to keep they want to keep the park under exclusively the jurisdiction of the Tenth Circuit, which is more conservative, which mm-hmm. is less likely to i don't know fucking protect the environment in yeah, the park stop them mm-hmm. from drilling for
0: oil fracking Correct. Uh-huh.
2: whatever you think about the idea that keeping environmental cases out of a liberal court is worth leaving the zone of death in place it just isn't true that fixing the loophole would be would necessarily allow venue shopping for appeals about about yellowstone mhm uh, uh, as Cult writes, there is nothing to preclude Congress from designating the 10th Circuit as the proper venue for all administrative appeals concerning Yellowstone National Park. So, mm-hmm. yes, that's a possible reason that they want to keep it in the jurisdiction of the 10th Circuit, but as long as they're rewriting the legislation concerning the park anyway, they could easily just slip in, yeah. OPS. it's going to remain under control of the 10th Circuit. Mm-hmm. Right it's just like they don't fucking understand the problem mm-hmm. and how they could fix it mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. there's no fucking reason they don't fix it.
0: Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Ugh. I it's feel wild. like government is such a weird thing where they just like create stop gaps for the sake of creating stop gaps.
1: How much fun would it be though, to be Brian and to discover such a
2: loophole? Ugh. He's so exciting. I love. Oh, Brian, get at us. I should Google him and find out how old he is and if he's married and stuff. Oh wait, I'm married.
0: (laughs) Whatever. Oh my god. Okay. Well. All right. Called law professor. Stop googling him.
1: While Lucy googles her future second husband, let's googles herself. Take a quick break (laughs) to hear from our
2: sponsors. Talkspace is therapy for how we live today. It's mobile. It's available when you need it. And it's affordable. It is
0: millennial approved. And finding the right therapist does not have to be so stressful. The Talkspace matching process takes your unique preferences into account to find you someone whose style and expertise matches your needs. And if you want to switch therapists, you can do that at any time at no extra cost. Seriously, this works. Like when I joined Talkspace over a year ago, I kind of put in the areas of focus that I was working on, like generalized anxiety disorder and a little bit of depression. Just a just a drop of depression. Just a dose. and Yeah, just a dose. And um, they matched me with somebody who has expertise specifically in managing anxiety. And Emily was brought into my life and it has been amazing ever since. I absolutely love Talkspace. I use it every single day. It's important to lean on somebody
2: and it's especially helpful when that person is a professional. (laughs) Talkspace has more than 5,000 licensed therapists who are experienced in addressing the challenges that we all face. To match with your perfect therapist for a fraction of the price of traditional therapy, go to Talkspace.com. Make sure to use the promo code GALS, that's G-A-L-S, and that'll get you $65 off your first month, and it will also show your support for this show. So again, that is Talkspace.com. Use that promo code GALS. Treat your brain. Treat it. We don't all have the same hair. Some people's hair is blue. Others is dirty blonde. (laughs) (laughs) Whose hair is blue? (laughs) So why should we all use the same shampoo and conditioner? We shouldn't. Function of Mm -hmm. Beauty brings you shampoos and conditioners that are customized and individually filled just for you. They also have your name on the bottle so your husband doesn't use them. (laughs) Right. Function of Beauty uses safe and natural ingredients. They never use sulfates, parabens, phthalates, mineral Things you oils. Things even pronounce. <laughs> or any other harmful, impossible-to-pronounce ingredients. They are also mm-hmm. vegan and cruelty-free. The sad reality that. is that most major drugstore brands test on animals. Boo! Function mm-hmm. of Beauty is 100%
0: vegan and cruelty-free. And Function of Beauty addresses all of your hair needs, not just one. So most drugstore brands only address a single concern, like Volumize or Strengthen, or for me, it's like... You have to get very specific color shampoo that won't necessarily help with all the other concerns you have. Like, for me, breakage or thin hair or, you know, just wanting it to be, like, real shiny and moisturized. And blue. Like I have to pick one or the other. Yeah. But with Function of Beauty, you can choose up to five hair goals to add to your formula. So, I have a color protecting formula that also helps with volume it helps with strengthening because i do get split ends when you color your hair regularly that's like breakage is gonna happen um the scent i got is really nice it's peach but it's like so subtle um i got a blue color shampoo it doesn't dye your hair blue but it's just like my hair's already blue anyway so why wouldn't i choose blue And I have that formula saved as my formula of Munders, one of my many nicknames. And I love that about it because if I want to go on and get a different one for like, you know, switching up my hair goals or maybe just trying something new, I can save the old formula and I can always go back to it. I can have a couple on the website. I really, really love it. And the results have been great. I mean, I have definitely noticed more volume to my hair, a little bit more healthy looking, like the split ends are more under control. And I just love the shampoo. I'm never going to go back, seriously. So, if you want to be like us and try out Function of Beauty, our listeners will receive 20% off their first order. And to redeem that offer, just head to functionofbeauty.com forward slash gals and take the hair profile quiz. You know we love a good quiz. Again, go to functionofbeauty.com forward slash gals to get 20% off your custom formula treat yo hair.
1: Just a heads up. This case is, there's a lot of info out there. It's very in-depth. There could be an entire podcast, not just podcast episode, but an entire podcast about this case. And do I sound like I'm up for it? No.
0: Yes. <laughs>
1: no, I don't. You but can I'm,
2: do it. got oh
1: my, my god, best.
0: Lucy is sliding into our DMs right now with <laughs> photos of Brian Colt.
2: <laughs> okay, hold on. I
0: gotta he's on see. Twitter, you guys. Oh my he God. He is cute. He's, yeah, he's. He looks like every single one of my ex-boyfriends. Yeah. He really does. Like blended together into one He's face. Amanda's type in one person. Yeah. Okay. Sorry, continue. <laughs> so, I'm tweeting at him right now. <laughs> oh
1: my god. Okay. Just also another heads up. I got a lot of my info from Barry Yeoman and Kim Dinan. All right. Ooh. Barry and Kim. Barry yeah. and Kim. All right, so Couple of goals. They're not a couple. Here's the case. <laughs> <laughs> you don't know that. That's true. Yeah, it'd be Keep a, your laws a really body, strange coincidence if they were. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> All right, Julianne, who went by Julie Williams, grew up in St. Cloud, Minnesota.
0: Oh, a wholesome community. Yeah,
1: and was an accomplished athlete and student. In high school she would smartest <laughs> mo, voted most smartest. Um, <laughs> in high school she won the Minnesota State Double Tennis Championship and she nice. also graduated summa cum laude. Oh mm. my. Julie spoke Spanish after traveling extensively through Europe and she also performed community service work in Colombia. Mm. She studied geology at Carleton College in Northfield, Minnesota. Oh, Northfield, Minnesota. I know. Carleton, smarty pants. Carleton's a really good school. Geology
2: is, I was going to say it's really, it's hard. (laughs) (laughs) Hard as a rack. It's also very difficult, so kudos.
1: Um, And she found time to volunteer at a women's
2: shelter. So she's just a really well rounded young gal. Yeah, Yeah. she's really well rounded. I'm assuming she dies though.
0: Yeah. Great.
2: So after college, Julie began to explore her
1: sexuality, but she needed some geographic distance from home in order to do that, in her mind. So she took a job at the Walden Books bookstore in Burlington, Vermont. Mm hmm. And at the time of this case, Julie was gearing up for an exciting new dream job in Lake Champlain that was set to start mm. in just a couple weeks from when this case occurs. Aww. All right. Lori, or sorry, Laura, who went by Lolly Winans. <gasps> Lollipop. Yeah. Was born... A little lolly. ...to a wealthy family in Gross Point, Michigan, but she, quote... Rejected the privilege of her birth. Get it. Like, whoa. I want I want the opportunity to reject, to reject the, privilege the privilege of, of my, my birth.
0: birth. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. <laughs> I feel like I would have been great at that. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to be so
2: privileged to reject your
0: the privilege own, right?
1: of your birth. <laughs> I know. So instead, Lolly pursued her love of the great outdoors and was even studying to become a wilderness guide at Unity College in Maine. I feel like there are wilderness guides and then there are wilderness guides in Maine. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 She's been described as a, quote, microbrew drinking fish-following, cigarette-smoking, good-time girl whose entire adult life had been a struggle against childhood demons.
0: Aw. So I love her. Yeah. Uh, yeah.
2: Yeah. One of us. One, One of, of us. One us. <laughs> childhood demons. <laughs> yeah.
0: Triggering. Triggering. <laughs>
2: So, <laughs> lifelong trauma, lifelong trauma. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, well, you
1: joke, but next sentence. Oh, um, sorry. Lolly never fit in in that world of yacht clubs and boarding schools, but she was also a survivor of child sexual abuse and struggled mm-hmm. into her mid 20s with that trauma. But by the time of our case, she'd overcome a lot. And by 1994, she'd begun therapy, and she re-enrolled in college, and she was, like, getting her life on track. Yes, treat your brain. Yes. Mm. So she'd been doing that for about two years by the time the case starts. Amazing. Nineteen ninety four was also the year that Julie and Lolly met during a trip to the Boundary Waters. (gasps) Oh my God! Greatest place on earth.
0: I was conceived in the Boundary Waters.
2: (laughs) Okay. (laughs) And yes, I asked.
0: Uh, (laughs) Yep. Okay. I'm not surprised,
2: but also...
1: No.
0: No one is surprised. I'm not surprised, and that is also not information I needed. <laughs> so this... Thank you. Hiking and canoeing trip was hosted by
1: Woods Women, a Minnesota nonprofit organization that centered around adventure travel for women.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: By women, for women. Let's With do it. With women. women. With women, women. women. Woods Women. So, Julie, wizard
0: <laughs> women of the north. Oh, the best movie <gasps> ever. I'm not joking. <laughs> I never joke about wizard women of the north. I've <laughs> my learned favorite my album lesson. of all
1: time. I know. <laughs> I need to find it, like the full digital album. Okay, Julie and Lolly sh- shared a tent on that trip, and their love blossomed amidst the pine trees. Here for it, just Lachelle as Lucy's parents Fitzgerald was conceived.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Yikes! Uh, it's like this sounds very familiar. Yeah, <laughs> on a cellular
0: level, <laughs> so, <laughs> molecular. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Julie and Lolly were obvious soulmates, and when Lolly returned to college, she told friends that she felt transformed. "Quote: I finally realized I'm a beautiful woman."
2: Oh, I oh. got chills. Oh. I know. So the pre I'm not wearing pants.
0: I could just see
1: same same. <laughs> I'm wearing Good. so many layers. Okay. <laughs> the previously troubled student earned a 4.0 in her last semester. So Lolly mm. is crushing.. Mm-hmm. The couple handled the long distance, Vermont to Maine well, driving to visit each other every few weekends and in the interim they would write each other 16 page letters. Oh. All of them were 16 pages? No. But some of them were an as big as 16 pages. <laughs> I knew That's you were really going to call sweet. out that sentence grammatically. <laughs> I knew it. Okay.
2: I just like clarification. So
1: they were planning to move in together in just a few weeks, and they'd mm-hmm. already picked out the apartment that they were going to live in. On Sunday, May nineteenth, nineteen ninety-six, Julie and Lolly took their golden retriever Taj. Oh, um, oh, I know Taj. Taj, and went on a backpacking trip to Shenandoah National Park. Mm, Shenandoah gorgeous. includes over one hundred miles of the Appalachian Trail, tracing along mm. the Blue Ridge Mountains.
2: Oh, how beautiful! Preach. Yeah. There's some sick caves in
0: that area. Mm -hmm. And And I want to spelunk all of them.
1: So they started on the White Oak Canyon Trail and a few days later hitched a ride to another part of the park with a park ranger who also extended their camping permit uh, for them by five days. Apparently hitching rides like this is not uncommon because the park is very like long and skinny.
0: Mm -hmm. Um,
1: and I think it was also raining for a couple of Mm. those days. So I think, um, yeah, I don't think it was odd that they hitched a ride to another part of the park. Next, they climbed Hawksbill, Shenandoah's highest peak before picking a spot to camp. They ended up pitching their tent next to a peaceful mountain stream off of one of the park's horse trails. Oh, so beautiful. Dang. Back it sounds co- like heaven. I, I, it sounds like absolute hell to me. But oh, yeah,
0: I like it. Kenyan <laughs> doesn't like grass. That's fair.
1: I don't do outside. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I like I like being out on the water because then there aren't mosquitoes. Mm-hmm. So I'll do that. But that's it. <laughs> I'll
0: be on a yacht. I'll yacht only. That's what I was just gonna fucking say. (laughs) I like the company of my captain and crew on my yacht. I think I wish I I could reject my privilege. Anything beyond that is just too much. <laughs> it's
2: taxing. Okay. It has to be longer than 25 feet,
0: also. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, 25 meters. Okay. So, mm-hmm. backcountry <laughs> regulations at this time required campers to set up outside of sight from the trails. So, Julie and Lolly mm-hmm. were following this rule, and they selected a spot about a quarter of a mile from the Skyline Drive trail.
0: So, and the I reason, wonder why that regulation existed.
1: They wanted to just keep the trails clean and like clutter-free. And I suppose. I think they felt that if uh, I think they've changed this rule now, but I think at the time they felt that if people were setting up camp too close to the trail, then their garbage, yeah, and- garbage could be accidentally seen or a lot like defecation and stuff because like people mm. don't go that far away from their campsite to like go mm. in the woods. Um, and so they were just worried that all of that would be too close to the trail. Fair. Um, so this was not a particularly popular or heavily trafficked trail, but still the two women weren't totally isolated. Their campsite was just a 10 minute hike from the Skyland Lodge, which featured a restaurant bar and cabins.
0: There we go. Now we're talking. Yeah.
1: I could be in the cabins. I could do the that. Lodge. Yeah. Definitely. Some pool.
0: Some mm-hmm. drinks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A touch tunes karaoke machine <laughs> playing Bonnie Raitt. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Now we're talking. Yeah, we know some what to do. Some mega touch erotic mm. photo, Mary, I love Mary Chapin Carpenter. Hunt. A lot of Mary Chapin Carpenter.
1: <laughs> I'm feeling lucky. Okay. Julie and Lolly were last seen on May 24th, 1996. Their backpacking trip was meant to be just five days, although they did extend their permits by another five days. So 10 total. But Mm -hmm. after they'd been gone for 12 days on May 31st, Julie's father reported his daughter missing. She had told him that she was going to be back by then. She wasn't. He didn't hear from her.
0: Oh, that'd be scary.
1: Pre people having cell phones, but still it was like, right. Yeah. Yeah. And Lolly, too, had promised to be back in time to attend a close friend's wedding on the following day on June 1st, and she hadn't been in touch Ooh. with anyone either. Yeah, she's missing. Mm-hmm. So park rangers immediately began searching the park for the two young women, and it was the weekend after Memorial Day and the start of summer, so the park was super busy. Hmm. They... First found the couple's dog, Taj, wandering Mm. the woods off-leash, but unharmed. So the dog's okay, but just, like, lost. Mm -hmm. Then the following evening on June 1st, park rangers found Julie and Lolly's bodies at their campsite. No. Lolly was still inside the tent. Julie was about 30 feet away down an embankment in a sleeping bag. I only read that in hmm. one article, though, that she was in a sleeping bag. So take that with a grain of salt. Mm-hmm. Ugh, it's uh, This is a not good sentence. Their mouths were gagged and wrists were bound with duct tape and cloth. Um, and actually, Lolly's ankles were also bound, but not Julie's. Mm-hmm. And they both had died from their throats being slit. Jesus.
0: But Such a w- violent fucking way to kill somebody. Terrible. Yeah.
1: Um, but there were no signs of rape.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I think like some of the clothing might have been like torn or askew or whatever, but um Yeah. No like physical evidence of rape. Um, investigators believe that the sound of the nearby babbling brook might have disguised the sounds of their attackers approaching footsteps. Fuck that. So I nope. hope that has ruined soft babbling brooks for everyone. Mm.
2: <laughs> Gently babbling
1: brooks. <laughs> yeah.
0: Hate it.
1: Ugh. Investigators ruled out robbery as a motive because none of the women's personal belongings appeared to be missing. Mm -hmm. And not much physical evidence was recovered from the scene. Uh, Partly because the bodies had been in partial sunlight in the summer sun for days.
0: Oh, no.
1: Yikes. Yuck. And also outdoor crime scenes in general are just super difficult to Mm
0: -hmm.
1: manage and search. And like animals can pick at stuff and drag stuff. Mm -hmm. And it's just a mess. Uh, Luckily unlike at Lucy's in Lucy's segment jurisdictional issues weren't really at play in this case because Shenandoah National Park is exclusively a federal jurisdiction Mm. so Mm. um, only the federal government has law enforcement authority there so that was that was easy at least So the National Park Service and the FBI worked together on the investigation, and they followed up on an estimated 15,000 leads.
0: Holy shit, that's a lot of leads.
1: Yikes. That's a lot of paperwork. So initially, a $25,000, which was later increased to $50,000 reward for information, was put out. And the case appeared on the popular television show, America's Most Wanted. Ever heard of it?
0: <laughs> America's Most
1: Smartest. In July, I would be on that show. In July, 1996. At one point, investigators asked Lolly's ex-fiance, who was a man, to uh, take a polygraph test. But he must have done—he must have passed it, or he must have had a strong alibi or something. Because I don't believe he was ever officially considered a person of interest. Okay. Um, and they had—they had been broken up for a long time at this point.
0: So I think long enough for wounds to heal. Right. And for it to be like, why are you still this hung up on this situation? Right.
1: So it's important to remember that this case took place in 1996. And at the time, the fact that the victims were a young lesbian couple made mm-hmm. for really salacious headlines. Right. Hmm. Um, so <sighs> she's really unfortunate because Julie and Lolly had both been fairly private about their sexual orientations.
0: Yeah. And now it's all over national fucking news. Yeah.
1: Um, because I mean, people were trying to figure out if this was a hate crime basically. Right. Um, but Julie in particular at the time of her death, was still trying to reconcile her sexuality with her strong Christian faith. And Mm -hmm. she hadn't yet found the time to come out to her family.
0: Mm.
1: And she'd recently joined a liberal local Presbyterian congregation and was really open about her personal life with her minister. But Mm -hmm. when news of the murders hit the papers, Julie's minister was hounded by the press until she revealed that, yes, in fact, the two women were in a romantic relationship with one another.
0: Oh, my, oh my God. God. So she's murdered and then outed nationally. Yeah. By the press. Yeah. Fuck that. That's and, so fucked and up. And by her minister.
1: Yeah. And the minister has has said since then, like, that they feel very bad and very conflicted about having answered the press's revealed questions. That. But yeah. also they were worried about like their other congregants who were LGBTQ sure. in the LGBTQ community and like they didn't know if it was a hate crime and so they didn't know if by revealing that they were going to be better able to protect the community mm-hmm. you know like they just they were very conflicted and also i think caught off guard yeah <clears throat> so Julie and Lolly's grief-stricken families were largely unprepared for the, quote, media circus that followed
0: their daughter's posthumous public outing. Mm. I can't even fucking imagine. You're trying to grieve the death of your child. It's complicated enough. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And it's uh, who knows what the parents reactions would have been to learning that news, but just learning it in such a like public way. After your child has been taken from you is so unimaginably hard.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Um, Meanwhile, the brutal murders got caught up in heated political debates of the day around same sex marriage and homophobia. And the victims were seen as, quote, martyrs within the Vermont lesbian community. Mm -hmm. So again, it's kind of up for debate whether or not this was part of like legitimate activism intended to protect members of the LGBTQIA community, or whether this like very personal tragedy was co-opted
0: for political purposes. Mm. Gray area. Yeah. Yeah. I in, tend to lean in one direction. Yeah. I think that these things get exploited for that for those purposes all the fucking time. And you can by th- every side of the coin. Right, exactly.
1: You can think that even when you agree with the political Absolutely. And, you know, and still... Yeah, it can, it can
2: be both.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so the FBI pursued this theory that Julie and Lolly were murdered because they were gay. Um, and connections have also been drawn between their double murder and that of another lesbian couple that took place in eastern Virginia 10 years prior. Mm. So we don't have time to get into all the details of that case, but just quickly... The two cases bear striking similarities. Quote, Rebecca Dowski and Kathleen Thomas were found dead in a car that had been pushed off an embankment near Williamsburg. Mm -hmm. Their throats were slashed with a sharp object. Their wrists had been bound and there was no sign of struggle. Both women were fully clothed and there was no sign of sexual assault. Their wallets and purses were left in their car, ruling out a robbery motive. So that's like... The exact same yeah, case, except they were in a car instead of a campsite.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Well, also both, I mean, uh, pushing a car off a cliff, like, you do that in a sincere effort to m- make sure that they're not found. Sure. And by targeting these other women in, a, in the middle of a national park, I mean, mm-hmm. it's not like the p- perpetrator really had to do a lot to really hide their body. I mean, didn't doesn't really sound like they really tried to hide the bodies, but they're also in the middle of a fucking park. Yeah. I also feel
1: like for hate crimes, usually the perpetrator would want the victim or victims to be found. Right. Because yeah. it's
0: the statement of it is right, meant yeah. to be seen and experienced.
1: Right. But I don't know. I didn't, but, uh, I didn't have time to go into like the psychology behind Sure. Hate crime Attacks, even though we we've have covered some in a previous episode, but... Slashing the throat also implies
2: a lot
0: of rage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's some scary shit.
2: It's a very personal, <sighs> intimate way to kill someone. Yeah. And to kill two people.
1: So to be able to, uh-huh. like, control two people in a scenario like that it would take experience, one would think. Right. Yeah. Because it's pretty hard to overpower two people. Yeah. Um, It's also important to note, however, that Rebecca and Kathleen's murder in 1986 has also been linked to other homicides along the Colonial Parkway. Have you heard of the Colonial Mm -hmm. Parkway murders?
2: Yep. Mm -hmm. That is wild.
1: Yeah. So um, it's kind of a lover's lane popular with both hetero and homosexual couples. And so a serial killer could well be the culprit. We don't have time to get into it, but anyway, I just thought it was really interesting. Um, back to Julian Lolly, though. So the investigation went over a year without a suspect. Mm. But then in July 1997, another horrific incident shattered the peace of Shenandoah National Park. Uh oh. Yvonne Melbasha, a tourist from Canada, was visiting the park on a bike ride when, out of nowhere, Yvonne was forced off the road and off her bike by a man driving a truck. Nope. Jesus. He, quote, screamed sexual profanities at her as he stepped from his vehicle enraged and tried to force her inside. Ugh. No. No, no, no. God. No, no. Malbasha was able to fight him off and took cover behind a tree as the man re-entered his truck and tried numerous times to run her over.
0: Fuck all of that.
2: That is horrifying. I hate it. I never want to leave my house again. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. He eventually gave up and sped away, and
1: rangers apprehended him as he was attempting to leave the park because this quain, like, in the... Chaos managed to, like, figure out what the vehicle looked like and possibly a license plate. Mm-hmm. Um, later, when investigators searched his vehicle, they found hand and leg restraints hidden inside. <gasps> oh. Ick! Oh, no. No, no, no. No. Yep. So, Yvonne's attacker was a Maryland man in his late 20s named Daryl David Rice. Hate him. Of course.
0: fucking hate him.
1: Just one month before this attempted abduction, Rice had been fired from his job due to his extreme hostility and bizarre behavior at work. I'm shocked. Quote.
0: I'm shocked at this news.
1: <laughs> Former co-workers told investigators that he yelled sexual and other profanities at them, punched a hole in the wall of the men's bathroom, stole their lunches.
0: Seems stable.
1: <laughs> bumped into them so that they'd spill their coffee and took down one woman's picture and threw it in the trash.
2: What a dick. It's just- <laughs> We're. Was he only targeting women for all of this bullshit? Yes. Oh, my God. (sighs) Fucking,
1: oh, my God.
0: Yeah. What a winner. Yeah, I hate him. He's single. Who hurt you? He's single and ready to (laughs) mingle. (laughs)
1: Ick. So Rice pled guilty to Yvonne's attempted abduction and was sentenced to 11 years in prison, of which he served 10. Uh huh. He was released in Never 2007, enough. but returned to the clink mm-hmm. two more times for parole violations, including it, testing positive for marijuana use. Violating parole proved too tempting <laughs> for some of them. <laughs> yeah. So this happened. He forces Yvonne off the road a year later and then gets sent to prison, but he's. Considered a suspect in Julie and Lolly's murder from
0: 1996. Mm-hmm.
1: Because it just so happens that video surveillance showed Daryl David Rice entering Shenandoah on May 25th and 26th, 1996, right Shut around the, fuck up. the estimated time of death for Julie and Lolly.
0: No. And he he didn't Shenanowa. <laughs> Shouldn't
1: <Shenanoah.
0: Shenanoah.
2: laughs>
1: He denies he was in the park on these days, but like
2: it's on tape. Yeah. Nice try, you fucking moron. Cute. Uh, I hate him.
1: Rice also acknowledged to investigators that he quote hates gays. Oh great. Uh, and said that Julie and Lolly, quote, deserved to die because they were lesbians.
2: Holy shit. So he killed them. He killed them.
1: Well, just wait. He also admitted that he enjoys assaulting women because they are, quote, more vulnerable than men. Good Lord. What a fucking creep. Oh, my Lord. So jailhouse informants uh, from when he's serving time after the Yvonne abduction said that he confessed to Julie and Lolly's murders to them, but also jailhouse informants aren't terribly reliable. So take that with a grain of salt. So in 2002, Rice is indicted for Julie and Lolly's murders and he faced the death penalty if convicted. Mm -hmm. But in 2004, Prosecutors were forced to drop the capital murder charges against him when hair evidence found at the crime scene was tested and did not match Rice or the victims. Mm. What? And this hair evidence was like in the duct tape that was used to bind. Duct tape? That was used to bind them. And there was like Mm. a single hair... And it didn't match Daryl David Rice or the victims. Mm.
2: So it's really, really likely that that hair belonged to the murderer, but not 100%.
1: Yeah. Or there could have been, Daryl could have been working with someone else and that dude's hair. It could have been Taj's hair. Did they test the dog? I'm sure they they did. They (laughs) tested the hair and it was human.
0: Human. (laughs) Um.
2: But do we
1: know that? (laughs) Well, maybe.
2: Maybe.
1: It was the park
2: ranger's hair. (laughs) Ah.
1: The hair did not have the follicle, so it could only be tested for mitochondrial DNA, but still, it was not a match. Mm. And, quote, the case was dismissed without prejudice, meaning charges could still someday be filed against Rice. Uh, in the future without any double jeopardy issues. So they didn't fully, he didn't like go to trial. He hadn't been found guilty or not guilty yet. And so because of that, they could still charge him someday.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: It wouldn't be a double jeopardy scenario, Right. Jesus Christ. He sounds like a real sack of shit. Mm
1: -hmm. Uh, Yeah. Also, Daryl David Rice is also suspected of being the Route 29 stalker, a man who had tailed more than a dozen women driving on that highway in 1996, often flashing his headlights and trying to get the women to pull over. One Mm -hmm. of the women. This sounds
0: like him, his Mm -hmm. M.O.,
1: One of the women believed to be a victim of the stalker, Alicia Showalter Reynolds, was killed, and her decomposed body was found on May 7th,
2: 1996. Uh, can we said? Can we send him to jail just because?
0: Just on speculation alone, (laughs) because he just seems like the worst. Yeah, he's not going to stop doing this bullshit. Yeah, you are awful. Well, he's been and he's outright said, "I like to attack women because they're like more vulnerable." Like, go away. Mm -hmm. You're canceled.
1: Uh, He has been out free since April 2011. No, where does
0: he live? Please
2: tell me it's not anywhere near me.
1: Um, I don't actually know. There were a bunch of articles about like when he like moved into a new community, people would call the police alarmed because they recognized his face, mm-hmm. and the police were like, "There's nothing. Like, there's nothing we can do. He's not wanted for anything. There are no warrants out yeah. for him. Like, he served his time. He's out. Wait
2: un- we have to wait until, until he, commits he inevitably assault somebody. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. God damn it. Pretty much."
1: So Julie Williams and Lolly Winans were just 24 and 26 years old respectively when their lives were brutally cut short. Mm-hmm. <gasps> it's really fucking sad and Julie's friend uh, later told reporters that she found some small solace in quote the fact that they didn't have to go through the pain of losing each other and that they're together now." mm.
2: It's so- I see pictures of them on the drive. They look yeah. really happy. I know. Aren't they just sweet? Yeah. I know.
1: And then this fucker, Daryl David, Ugh, who looks disgusting. a little bit like Brian
2: Colt. Oh, no. Why you do this? The hairline. It's the hairline. It is the hairline. Look at the eyes. Brian's eyes are nice and big and blue, and this Rice dude has shark eyes.
1: A, that's so. true.
2: He has what's his name's eyes?
1: Robert yeah. Durst. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. F- dead just fish
1: eyes. Bottomless black hole eyes. He totally. Mm-hmm. He totally does. So that's this case. There's a lot more information out there. We didn't have time to cover everything, but they just seemed like sweet baby muffins. Just you just yeah. love the outdoors. <laughs> mm-hmm. I just
0: found the picture of Taj. What a cutie. Yeah, yeah, that pup is something else.
1: Yeah, I don't know who ended up taking care of Taj. Taj, I think, officially belonged to... I can't remember. Now I can't remember if he was officially Julie's or officially Lolly's.
2: Both. Joint custody.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Sweet
0: puppy. He was put into foster care.
1: I'm hoping one of the families took him. I'm sure a
0: parent took in Taj. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So that's my case. Happy Fourth of July, everyone.
0: So sad. Good job. Well, let's get to our sponsors and then kick it up a notch. Bam! If you've listened to our show before, then you have definitely heard about this company making stylish shoes for folks out of recycled plastic water bottles. And They're insanely comfortable and machine washable and we are fully addicted and obsessed with these shoes. We can't stop.
2: Uh, definitely posted on our Instagram story about our Rothy's, Mm -hmm. I think more than once and I'm not slowing down. Not anytime soon. Rothy's are the everyday flats for life on the go. They are stylish and they are versatile and they go with everything from yoga pants to dresses and skirts. anything. Anything you want to wear. Rothy's come in a wide range of colors and patterns. They are available in four different silhouettes. I Mm. love the point myself. I love the
0: round, but I really want the loafer. I really want the loafer. (laughs) We gotta invest in the loafer. (laughs) I can't stop purchasing them. Yeah, I think I'm actually gonna buy another pair of Rothy's today, so I have them before our next leg of tour. (laughs) Uh, Yeah,
2: also the fact that they are machine wash. I wore mine so consistently throughout the tour we're visiting major cities Mm -hmm. we're walking
0: through the rain the cobblestone streets of New Orleans yeah my pink round toe Rothy's were like black by the time (laughs) we got home from, uh, from New Orleans and popped them in the wash came out like new good as new It's unreal.
2: I love Mm -hmm. them so much. Plus, they are constantly launching new styles, so you are guaranteed to find a pair or three or six or 12 that you love. Mm -hmm. I am currently on the waiting list for the flame color in the point. So sassy, so beautiful. They launch new colors and patterns every few weeks, and they sell out constantly, which Mm -hmm. is why I'm on the list. Hurry up, Rothy's. But got, it makes
0: it so fun because like every time you go to the website, there's a new style. Oh, my you know, gosh. you're not searching through the same inventory over and over again. They really do switch it up.
2: And they add really fun, playful designs, fun pops of color. And that will just like add a fun accent to every single outfit you could possibly imagine while still looking polished
0: and professional. It is mm-hmm. the only
2: professional thing about my aesthetic. And I couldn't be more grateful.
0: We love our Rothy's and we know that you will love them too. So check out all of the amazing styles available right now at rothys.com forward slash gals. Again, go to rothys.com, R-O-T-H-Y-S.com forward slash gals to get your new favorite flats, comfort style, and sustainability. These are the shoes you've been waiting for. So head to rothys.com forward slash gals today. Treat your feet. With HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit, you can get easy seasonal recipes and pre-measured ingredients delivered right to your door. And all you have to do is cook and enjoy. It is seriously... Amazing. HelloFresh makes cooking delicious meals at home a reality regardless of your comfort in the kitchen. If you're like me and you have no comfort in the kitchen, (laughs) it walks you through it with step-by-step recipes and pre-measured ingredients. You'll have everything you need to get a wow-worthy dinner on the table in just about 30 minutes. These are so fast and delicious. It's amazing. Also photos. Mm -hmm.
2: photos really help the comfort level you can make deliciousness part of every single week break out of your dinner rut with one of their 17 seasonal chef curated recipes every week there is something for everyone and they have family recipes calorie smart and vegetarian recipes and fun Mm -hmm. menu series like the hall of fame and craft burgers perfect for summer speaking of summer the other night, I came back from a week on the road, but also, mm-hmm. you know, comparable to, like, a really tough day at work. And what do I see at my front door? A big old box of Hello Fresh. Oh, I could not have been more ecstatic. Ugh. Mm-hmm. So I made the black bean salsa fresca bowl, mm. Uh, roasted poblano peppers, black beans, some beautiful more. scallion rice, and it's topped mm. with, like, a spiced crema, some pepper jack cheese. It was just so fresh. It was so delicious and it was so easy and fast. It took me less than a half an hour. Mm -hmm. That's unreal. I also love that they have wine pairings. I mean,
1: obviously.
0: What's not to love? Exactly. What's not to love? Get on Our level with HelloFresh and you can get $80 off your first month of HelloFresh by going to HelloFresh.com forward slash GALS80 and entering the promo code GALS80. Again, that's for $80 off your first month of HelloFresh. I mean, that is like receiving eight meals for free. Whoa. Come on. It's the deal of a lifetime. So go to HelloFresh.com forward slash Gals80. That's gals 80 And enter that promo code Gals80 and treat yo guts. Trade them.
2: Want to hear something kind of horrifying. Ugh,
0: yeah, but no, but yeah.
2: The (laughs) FDA does not require brands to disclose a comprehensive list of ingredients in their menstrual care products. I hate that. That, like, go inside of your body.
0: Yeah, no. Ugh.
2: So most of them just don't. Mm. Don't have to, not gonna. Lola, Lola, swoops in to save the day, offering complete transparency about the ingredients found in their tampons, pads, liners, and wipes. Mm-hmm. Bless them.
0: And Ma- their sex products. Oh. I love all of that. They're just like so upfront. Here's what's going in on or around your bod. Mm-hmm. Enjoy.
2: Mm-hmm. Major brands use a mix of synthetic ingredients in their products, including rayon and polyester. No, thank no. you. Uh-uh. Max, no. that should go in my underwear, Correct. not like inside my body. Their menstrual care products may also be treated with harsh chemicals and cleansing agents, fragrances, and dyes. Again, max underwear. Lola Mm -hmm. products are 100% organic cotton with no added chemicals, fragrances, synthetics, or dyes. Again, that's what I want in my bod. Mm -hmm. Not Not the fake stuff.
0: Obviously, these are favorite things about Lola, but my personal favorite thing is how customizable this subscription is. It makes your month so much easier. Their subscription is fully customizable, so you can choose your mix of products, your mix of absorbency, your number of boxes that you receive, frequency of delivery. Everyone's period's different. It's so different. Again, Lola's subscription is super flexible, so you can change, skip, or cancel your subscription at any time. I have the Nexplanon arm implant birth control, so my period only comes like two, maybe three times a year. And sometimes it's a breeze and it lasts for 18 seconds. I sneeze, something happens and I move on. (laughs) Sometimes it lasts for like 10 days and I pull out all of my hair. But with Lola, I have my subscription box that I get delivered every couple months just so I have an array of products on hand. So I have light absorbency tampons. I have panty liners. I have the more regular absorbency tampons and i just have them on hand for when i need them and i feel good about using these products i feel good about what i'm putting in my body i love lola so much and i think that anyone with a period is going to love them too so we want to offer 40 percent off of all subscriptions by visiting mylola.com and entering the promo code gals40 when you subscribe Again, that's for 40% off of all subscriptions. Visit mylola.com and enter the code GALS40. That's gals S four zero. When you subscribe, treat yo cycle. Treat it. So I'm also covering something unsolved, which usually I fucking hate doing because I like everything wrapped up in a neat little package. Mm-hmm. But this story <laughs> was just... little. Oh, I like them small and I yeah. like them tight. Um, anyway, oh
2: my god!
0: Uh, wait, wait! <laughs> what? On Instagram
2: the other what? day, or when you t- you posted a link on Facebook, maybe, and you forgot the D in the URL. Yeah, and somebody wrote, "Well, it must have been Kenyon or Lucy who posted this because Amanda never misses the D."
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, they get me. Uh, I was, Shout and out then to I commented ironically, was. "It was indeed Amanda." <laughs> <laughs> Twas me. I often miss the D. Anyway, um, this story was just too weird not to cover. So, uh, yeah. Uh, fittingly, this happened over 4th of July weekend in 1938. Mm. And the Beale Hearts or Beale Hearts, I don't really know how it's pronounced, but that's what we're going with. Kay. The Bealhearts family is camping and fishing in Colorado's Rocky Mountain National Park. <gasps> John Denver's full of shit. Mm-hmm. Four-year-old Alfred and his ten older siblings. No, eh, yeah, there's the Catholic. crime, oh. and that's my case. Um, <laughs> we're enjoying a holiday and doing some fishing by Fall River on the morning of July 2nd, 1938. <gasps> Alfred's father, William, July took Alfred 2nd. along with, yeah, Lucy's birthday. Uh, took Alfred along with two friends who were camping with the family to the river to wash up. The two friends are like adult friends. Who were there with them? Um, while heading back to camp, Alfred fell behind the group and mysteriously disappeared. No, oh! His family frantically searched for him, and when they came up empty, they contacted park rangers headed up by Park Ranger Muma. What a <laughs> name, Muma, Mr. Muma.
2: Okay, my new name is Dust Muma. Mm-hmm. Dust
0: Muma. <laughs> Park Ranger Dust Muma at your service. Who only wears moomoos. Correct. <laughs> moomoo Muma. Muma's moomoos. Um, Mooma. <laughs> moomoos on Muma, my new <laughs> moomoo store. So within 45 minutes of Alfred's disappearance, more than 100 civilian conservation corps members mobilized and began searching the area. And if, like me, you are wondering how the fuck this got mobilized so quickly in 1938 without the use of cell phones. For real. Or Twitter. Correct a the family was camping fairly close to a ranger station and b rangers were able to communicate with each other via a brand new technology at the time shortwave radio portables <gasps> smoke signals, which were s- yeah but they were so large they had to be carried on your back like in a backpack <laughs> <laughs> yeah they had those in world war ii yeah the good old days <laughs> Uh, well World days. War II was not the good old days, but when technology was like this. That's let me be very clear. Very
1: <laughs> Wow, Amanda, we're showing okay. your colors.
0: <laughs> oh. Okay. No, I'm not. I'm not. Ugh, my Aryan colors. I do not support it. <laughs> moving was on the white supremacist now okay okay <laughs> not i said the fight um authorities originally believed that alfred had fallen into the river they damned the river and Whoa. dragged it for six so they damned it god damn it <laughs> and dragged it for six miles but didn't find any sign of him so they're totally stumped they bring in bloodhounds who were like Employed by a local penitentiary, which I thought that was a juicy little tidbit. Oh, Ooh, um, jail dogs. Yeah, jailhouse dogs. And they were brought in to find his trail. They were able to track Alfred's scent about 500 feet uphill and one and a half miles from the approximate area that he disappeared from before reaching old did not walk that far. It's we'll get to the theories. Don't you worry. Yeah. Um, before reaching a fork in the path and losing the scent, there were no footprints and no Alfred to be seen stranger. The dogs that traced the scent seemed to be confused by what they were smelling and they quickly lost the scent. Um, when they got to the spot where the scent seemed to abruptly end, the two dogs began to behave oddly, cocking their heads, crying, pacing nervously, and eventually both dogs laid down on the ground, refusing to go any further. They just like laid there crying. Oh, babies. Yeah. Aliens. "Uh, It was aliens. We will talk about that. Oh my God. The next day, hikers six miles from where Alfred, and again, this is in the Rocky Mountains. It's not like six miles down a city, a country street. lane. It's six miles yeah. in the wilderness, the mountainous wilderness. Um, from where Alfred disappeared, contacted authorities, swearing to have seen a little boy fitting Alfred's description on a very difficult to reach rock formation called the Devil's Nest. <laughs> <laughs> yep, that a full grown adult would have a very hard time getting to, let alone a four year old boy. And even survival specialists needed specialized equipment to get to the Devil's Nest to investigate this lead. Is this not a scene from The Rescuers Down Under? It basically is mm-hmm. the giant bird, which is also a theory, and we will talk about oh it. Oh my god! Um, <laughs> the hiker I said, am "Nailing, it. <laughs> you're <yeah>. on fire." <laughs> the hikers said they had seen the little boy in a time frame only minutes after he had disappeared. Wow! They He's said a the fast boy seemed hiker. dazed and upset. Dazed upset and let out a shrill shriek, then abruptly, quote, jerked back by an unknown force. What the fuck? Oh and it disappeared feelings. in front of their eyes. He was taken by an eagle. What? Uh-huh. They were out hiking and they saw this little boy on, like, on the devil's nest, like, across the way. And he was, like, screaming and crying. And then all of a sudden he was, like, jerked away by something they couldn't see and he was gone. Oh my God. This is so fucking creepy. Isn't it weird? Um, it took a good 24 hours for investigators to get to the devil's nest because like the hikers finished their hike, then got to the, to the ranger station like a day later
1: Mm -hmm. to tell investigators
0: are out there. So it's already been 24 hours since the boy was seen on that, in that area. Mm -hmm. Um, and by the time investigators got there with their fucking specialized equipment to even get up onto that peak, um, there was zero trace of him, oh. not, not a thing left to God, say that he was damn. there. The search continued for weeks with over 150 volunteers, but nothing turned up. Eight days later, Mrs. C.A. Lynch of Big Springs, Nebraska contacted local authorities convinced that she had seen little Alfred with an older man walking along a highway while she and her husband were driving from Big Spring to Agalala, Og- Ogallala, Ogallala. La la a
1: little
0: bit La 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 it. She had seen Alfred's picture in the newspaper and was quote positive the boy was the one whose picture she saw. This lead also turned up empty. Months later, on November 28th, 1938, Alfred's father, William, received a ransom note that read, quote, sorry for your son. We went west, out of money. The boy doesn't take to us. We will return your son if you will leave $500 in a can one block from your house. We will return your son within 24 hours. Yeah, okay. Mm -hmm. William called the police, who then involved the FBI, who after their investigation tracked down... The people who wrote this note Mm -hmm. Concluded that it was a hoax A cruel fucking hoax Charged these two With like some sort of Disruption of an investigation or whatever Mm -hmm. um, And then Kind of moved on from it But William remained convinced that his son was out there somewhere Quote I know uh, he didn't fall in the river He said I'm confident he is in some distant city today We have his toys just as he left them Mm -hmm. someday we'll find him somewhere. We were camped close to the transcontinental highway that runs through the park. Someone picked him up in an automobile. I'm confident that he is in some distant city. I understand
1: how as a parent. Yeah. That would be the theory that you would need.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I get That is a coping mechanism. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But here are the other theories. Aliens. Animals. (laughs) Oh. (laughs) <laughs> Theories have floated around about a mountain lion or even a large bird of prey yep. picking Alfred <laughs> up and eventually consuming him. Well, this, bird, yeah, the bird theory. Yep. This the could theory. explain how a four year old made it onto the devil's nest, either carried up by a lion or by a bird. It could also explain the sudden jerking out of sight, especially if it were a mountain lion, which they blend very well into the terrain. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Um, uh, that the hiker saw and could explain how the trail went cold to dogs, especially if it was a bird of prey who would have lifted him off the ground and up the cliff.
1: And why the dogs might be acting so odd Weird, and nervous they smelling a, a predator.
0: A predator. hmm Yeah. But what oh. doesn't fit here is that zero evidence was found in weeks of extensive searching, like tattered clothing, blood, hair, anything. Right. A and shoe. animals are not exactly concerned with cleaning up after themselves. And even with, like, other scavengers picking, there could be, there'd be bones. Like, there would be something left. Clothing. Yeah, stuff, items that he was wearing that the animal wouldn't eat. Yep, exactly. It's also hard to believe that not, again, not a drop of blood, no tracks, footprints, drag marks, anything of that sort. Like, nothing to show that the child even made an attempt at struggling against a predator Mm -hmm. was there. Um, And I also find it really hard to believe that if he had been grabbed by an animal, there wouldn't have been some sort of like at least a loud scream or kerfuffle that the family would have heard when he disappeared. They were, they were ahead of him on the trail, but it's not like he was a mile away. He wasn't alone. Yeah. Uh Right. They didn't hear anything. He was just gone. So I don't know about that theory. Um, Kidnapping. Obviously this woman in Nebraska staunchly believes that the boy she saw on the side of the highway was Alfred uh, Williams said that they were part that they were camping near the highway um, and it's not totally out of the realm of possibility that someone could have been lurking by the river like waiting for a vulnerable member of this family with like 11 kids in it to stray. I guess this, but it just this seems certainly like happens abducted child or easier places to do it. Right. This just seems highly unlikely. And again, no footprints or evidence support this the dogs followed Alfred's scent and then it abruptly disappeared and it didn't, I didn't see anything that said their scent led them to the highway. It just said to a fork in the trail. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So like it would make sense if it led them to the highway and then abruptly stopped. Cause then it's like, Oh, I put you in a car and now you're gone. Yeah. Um, and to, we know that like witness testimony, even in this day and age with like high res photographs and video surveillance is still, like wish like a little sketchy mm-hmm. witness testimony so this woman in nebraska yes she very firmly believes that she saw alfred but like is honestly a black and white photo printed in the newspaper in 1938 like the high-res technology that we have today right. like you could easily yeah. miss and miss mess that up that could have been also, any like blonde kind of like every little blonde that. boy <laughs>
2: Well, you do you hardly have any distinctive feature, you know, it's like, all babies look the yes, fucking you're same. You're just a
0: pudgy, sweet little baby face, yeah. blonde boy with blue eyes. Like you look like everyone in a, you know, yeah. in the area at that time. Um, so I personally don't think that that's what happened here. And I think that she f- thinks yeah. the boy she saw was Alfred, but could easily have gotten that wrong. Right. Yeah, I agree. um, my personal favorite theory of alien abduction mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. fucking duh that's what happened it was uh, there I solved the case why, it would explain why,
1: why why do they want him
0: <sighs> and not
1: that why t- they not have others. anyone
0: Why'd they want that Polish guy? He was the (laughs) easiest one to grab. And I could, he's the, he's like the youngest. I could see, you know, they want to raise him as their own and study him like a longitudinal study (laughs) lifelong. Amanda abducted him. I'm just saying, obviously this is my favorite theory because it would literally explain everything. The disappearing scent, the lack of footprints, the dogs freaking out, the sighting of Alfred on the mountainside and the quote, jerking by an unknown force. Mm -hmm. I mean... Come on. There've got to be aliens at work here. But nobody
1: I saw a spaceship.
0: <laughs> yeah, but, you know, we don't know what kind of uh, technology they have. Hoverboards, there, you know, they could be able to fly themselves. There have to be aliens at work here. Oh, my God. I just, God. you know, there's foul play or aliens at work here. It's one are of aliens the afoot. I am 1,000% sure. Yeah. I think it's a large um, bird. Well... The actual most solid theory theory is drowning. Yeah. This is the theory that holds the most water. No. no.
1: (laughs) You cannot make a child
0: drowning pun. I can and I did. (laughs) She did and I like it. Yeah. I like it. Um, even with the water being extensively searched within a six mile radius, it's entirely possible, given the flow of this river and the available technology of the time, that Alfred slipped into the water and was never found. yeah, it's a fucking river, yeah, like come this is on. the theory that Park Ranger Muma Yes. Was thoroughly convinced of to the extent that he himself, uh, tried an experiment to basically confirm how hopeless it would be to find a little kid. If they fell into that river, he stated quote, one morning before the crew arrived, I filled a gunny sack with rags and enough stones to give it about the weight of a small boy and toss it into the stream where the boy was last seen. I had to run fast to keep it in sight until it reached Fall River, and where and there it promptly disappeared under an overhanging bank. I had some boys work that section for days, but they found nothing, not even the sack.
1: Imagine finding a gunny sack filled with rags and stones and, and being stones. like, "What the f-?
0: fuck like some Blair witch shit in the woods (laughs) (laughs) no thank you and it's entirely possible that because the family had been camping for a couple days before this incident the dogs could have been following an old scent from like when they were out hiking and fishing it didn't take them like crazy far from their camp you know it could have just been an old trail that those dogs were following so I personally do believe that uh, unfortunately the little boy slipped into the river. It just makes the most sense or was abducted by aliens. It's one of the two. It can't
2: <laughs> it, it can't be both. The one thing that I can't get over though in terms of thinking that he likely drowned was the sighting from that random yeah. couple who saw him on the side of the cliff. Like even if you think for a second that you're seeing a chi- a child up there, mm-hmm. you would have to be a thousand percent certain that that is exactly what you saw. Given right. that they didn't know that that boy was missing,
0: right? It happened.
2: It was like a few minutes
0: later, and right. they they, no, they, they were looking way for that boy. They happened to, to, go to be hiking Park at the Ranger. same time that he w- that he disappeared and yeah. claimed that they saw a little boy. Right. I it's mean, wild. I don't fucking know. <laughs> the human brain is crazy. your mind can play tricks on you. You can see shit. Maybe they saw a weird animal and got confused. I don't know how hungry they were. I mean, I don't know, (laughs) but that is definitely real fucked up and weird and creepy. Like that part of the story is what creeps me out the most. This reminds me so
1: much of the first of, I think it was the first season
0: of someone knows something. Yup. 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 Yeah. Yeah. I thought the same exact thing. And like this, it's been, you know, decades, And there's been nothing's been found. Obviously the parents of this little boy, you know, are likely dead Mm -hmm. to be honest. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So they didn't get any closure and now he's got, you know, 10 siblings that still have no clue what the fuck happened to their brother. So sad. Yep. So don't take your kids camping.
1: Yeah. Never go to a national park. Definitely not over a holiday weekend.
0: I love national parks, but it's too crowded over a holiday weekend. Don't do that. Yeah. Don't do that to yourself.
1: You really want to be isolated in the death zone. You really do. So, yeah, that's my case. Good job. God bless it. Special thanks this week to our very special fan picker, Sarah Havel. 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 We've got a hankering for you, Sarah, Mm. and your dome
0: and your goats. Mm. so that sounded uh, emphasis weird on the goats yeah uh and special thanks to carrie zimmerman Carrie, on my wayward son <laughs> there'll be peace with zimmerman <laughs> you're welcome i nailed that
2: uh thank you to donnell no last name required or maybe mm-hmm. no first name i don't know what name that is yeah you're like share could just be a middle name yeah Madonna. Donnell. Madonna. I want to wear, wear your scent. I feel like you have, you've put out a perfume. Oh, oh yeah. Thank you, Donnell. Thank you, Sarah E.
1: Gray. How cool is that name? Sarah That's Gray. A good name. Sounds, you sound. Miss
0: E. Gray. Fifty shades of gray.
1: <laughs> you sound like
0: a romance novel protagonist. Uh-huh. <laughs> and thank you, Jessica Keefe. Give me that sweet Keefe, girl. Keep on, <laughs> on. <Keithanon>. Georgia O'Keefe. <laughs> mm-hmm. Thank you for your $5 a month donation. Thank you also to Michael
2: DeChant, mm. or maybe DeChant.
0: Mm. Oh, I Deshant even. Papier maché, papier maché Amazing. Thank you Michael. For your $5 a month. Michael. Protect your blind side. <laughs> Roll Tad. Oh Miss. And
1: thank you, Sharon <laughs> Hall.
0: I need some halls for my sore throat. Hall and Oats. For real. Uh, thank you, Rochelle Hopkinson. You're just a hop, skipping a kinson from our hearts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Might
1: be Rachel.
0: <laughs> Might be. Might be Rachel, but it's spelled like Rochelle. So I'm saying Rochelle. Yeah. Okay. Bye. Maybe. Maybe. Rachel.
2: Rachel. Thank okay. you, Rachel. Thank you, Grace Marie Cochran.
3: Cochran. Uh,
2: gonna, I was going to make a Johnny Cochran joke, but. Nailed it. Uh, that's kind of gross. Thank you, Grace Marie. <laughs> you you sound grace like a real us sweetheart. with your donation.
1: <laughs> and thank you, Nicole Aaron. You were erring on the side of generosity. <laughs>
0: I'm so sick, you guys. I love it. You're doing great. Oh, it's I'm my anda. turn. Um thank you, Cassie. I cassie you, baby. Shaking that ass. Shaking that ass. Thank you for your donation. I'm sorry that was so crass, Cassie. <laughs> Thank you, Aaron Bro.
2: Uh, Bros what before bros flows. I don't want, I don't like the word hoe. I just said it. Aaron Bro, yeah. thank you so much.
1: <laughs> and Jen Taylor Almost said Jen
0: motherfucking Taylor Jen. requested to be co- referred to as Jen motherfucking Taylor. Jen
1: motherfucking Taylor. I'm glad mm-hmm. I didn't call you Glenn. Thank you, or again,
0: again, motherfucking Taylor. Thank you, Carly Jones. I'm Jones for that donation. Carly Ray Jones, Jepson. <laughs> Well Got it. <laughs> now we know what happened to DB Cooper because they
2: are now <laughs> contributing five dollars a month. Yes, Woof, we've D. cracked B. the case. Did
3: we cracked it. the
2: case. Where's our reward? DB Cooper has increased their pledge mm. from one to five dollars a month. Friendly reminder: you can do that. And another increaser is Lindsay Whitus.
0: Mm. I've got a very white. Glad ass to have you with us right now. Got a white ass. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> what? Uh, My ass is not Stacey tan. Stacy, Malia, Marie, <laughs> Stacy, Malia, Marie, increased their donation from two to five dollars a month, and we could not be Malia grateful <laughs> for your increase. What? <laughs> what? Was, I don't know. More was, starts with M. That Malia was starts with M. Just a jumble. Malia, hardly We couldn't hardly be Malia grateful. <laughs> Oh,
2: that was so wise. Not as wise as Kathleen Wise, who's kicking off our $10 a month tier. You'll be getting a free fucking patriarchy flexible wine glass in the mail. Kathleen Wise, thank you for your wisdom and donation.
1: As Mm -hmm. will Genevieve Frick, or Fricky. Or
0: Fricky. You are
1: frickin' awesome.
0: It's freaky to rock around, to rock around. That's right on time. It's It's freaky. Freaky, 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 freaky. freaky. You're welcome. You are on a tear. Yep. I'm out of control. As is this donation from Alyssa Markham. Markham, hardly know him. $10 a month. You are getting a flexible fucking patriarchy wine glass in the mail. Alyssa, she tried. (laughs) Uh Yeah. Apologies to Alyssa
2: and You're Genevieve fine. for that You're matter. Fine. You're fine. <laughs> Big thanks to Chelsea. Also no last name required or first name. Chelsea,
1: I Clinton.
0: It must be Chelsea Clinton. Chelsea. And that's why they want to maintain their anonymity because Chelsea Clinton doesn't want all the clout for being a listener. The clout? Yeah. <laughs> Clinton clout. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, okay. Thank
1: you to Allison Waller. Thank you for putting up with our caterwalling
0: Oh, you're Ooh. a baller, Allison Waller. As is Julie Van Pelt of the Vanderbilt Van Pelts. <laughs> I want you to Van Pelt us with coin. <laughs> that with consent. With consent. I'm yeah. giving you the consent to then pelt me with coin. Mm-hmm. I got a bunch of change
2: thrown at me from a carload of high you school did. boys one time. I remember I was on the hail, phone with you. You were like, what the fuck? Hey, they were yelling rape quarters, threats at me okay. and threw
0: a bunch of coins. Then we're we're done with that. That yeah. sounds terrible. I ran home.
2: Anyway. Men are garbage. Okay. Yep. Yeah. All men are garbage. Mm-hmm. Christy Martin, you're not garbage. Mm-hmm. Uh, Christy, right? I want to pour a big bowl of rice Christies. Yum. Eat it for breakfast. <laughs> Sounds <delish. laughs> And With your consent. And
1: speaking of garbage, we're kicking off our mm-hmm. trash queen category with Deb and Sophie Govin. Go, mm. go, Govins. you're amazing (laughs) Shelby
0: Reed I feel the need for speed Shelby Reed (laughs) thank you for your $15 a month donation you gonna be getting some trash trash (laughs) 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 thank you to Benji Brett Mm. who has
2: increased their pledge to $25 a month you know what that means you get Mm -hmm. to choose a case and or topic and or wine and also it is noted here that you are being exceedingly patient while we reschedule your fan pick to make room for the summer tour thank Uh, you i am so sorry thank Thank you (laughs) to everyone who has
0: been so chill with special thanks and fan picks because this tour we're real excited and we're real happy that we're on it but holy shit it's a lot of moving parts Mm -hmm. (laughs) lots of lots of prep we're crushing yep. it it's great speaking of moving parts alice johnson mm-hmm. hello fifty dollars a month alice Elise, we're in awe of you alice mm-hmm. for real shit thank you so you know how many fucking mozzarella sticks that is that is boatloads of <laughs> mozzarella sticks. unless you're at the e- airport in which
1: case it's the bare minimum of mozzarella sticks
0: yeah, where do they get off charging, like, 40 bucks for mozzarella sticks at the airport? Unreal. Because they know you're trapped there. Mm-hmm. Right. You have no other option. And everyone is stress eating. They can charge
2: whatever the fuck they want for junk food.
0: That's Speaking very of true. stress
2: eating, shout out to Kyleen
1: Peck. You've got me feeling mm. peckish with I your I love $10. you, a bushel, <laughs> a, pack, a bushel and a
0: peck, a bushel and a peck, and a hug <laughs> around
1: the neck. Ew. Every once yeah. in a while, Amanda pulls out these really fucking weird things show tunes
2: i mean i am aware of that song it just grosses me out i love it and a hug around the neck last but not least we got a shout out to marco ruiz who Mm. would like to wish a happy 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 belated 40th birthday to christian zagar Mm -hmm. so thank you so much to marco Happy fucking birthday, Christian. Friend goals. uh, Christian,
1: Marco sent in this uh, request before your birthday, but we couldn't schedule it until this far after your birthday. So Marco is on top of it and we just didn't have room to shout it out until now.
2: So, mm-hmm.
1: happy birthday. Mm-hmm. I believe mm-hmm. I
2: emailed Christian on his birthday oh, and nice. said, happy birthday. Above Love and it. beyond. Alright. Customer service is what we're about, you know? So now uh, Mama is
1: gonna go down some NyQuil and sleep for yep. 14 hours. I Love you all so much. Enjoy your fourth. Ugh
0: Happy Fourth, everyone. Be safe. Don't fuck with the fireworks. Yep. Don't be an idiot.
2: Okay, bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Wine and Crime. Our cover art is by Kali Yip. Music by Phil Young and Corey Wendell. Editing by Jonathan Camp. Check out our website and blog at wineandcrimepodcast.com. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Wine Pod. If you have questions, answers, or recommendations to share, email us at wineandcrimepodcast at gmail.com. Episodes are available on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, basically wherever you get your podcasts. Cheers. Hi, I'm Tara. And I'm Shauna. And we're the hosts of the True Crime Comedy Podcast. A Shot of Crime. Join the Crime Coven and listen every Wednesday as we discuss all things true crime, paranormal activity, and pretty much anything that makes your skin crawl. We take a shot, or three, and discuss topics we find interesting or anything suggested by you, our listeners. You can start binging the show on your favorite streaming app today. So grab a drink, sit back, and listen to your new favorite true crime comedy podcast, A, a Shot, Shot of, of crime. crime. But remember, don't get caught in the crosshairs.